Okay, guys, uh, we'll be opening our Bibles up to the book of Acts, chapter 17. Thank you so much, Phil, for sharing our communion thoughts with us. It was a powerful illustration. Uh, I think it would be cool. Maybe, Phil, you could like put that on, a, on the website or something. That was a great story. And a good reminder, amen, of the gospel message, that uh, all of us have sinned, all of us have fallen short, and yet... Uh, Jesus has come to save the worst of us, the chief of sinners, and that we all sit here today not uh, better than anyone, not holier than thou, but really the most desperate for Jesus, amen? The ones most in need of a Savior, and that's why we're here, amen? Okay, how we all doing? All right, good. We got the second wave of campers off uh, today, and so... um, be praying for them this week. I want to say a special thanks to uh, Eli and Ianson and Grayson last week who went down to council. They don't have teen children, uh, but yet they uh, volunteered with no pay to go and counsel our uh, teenagers. So special thanks to you guys. And, uh, you know, uh, if you've ever been a counselor at camp, you know that there is a level of exhaustion that is rather um, profound uh, coming back from camp. So anyways, thanks to you guys. You guys do an awesome job uh, loving up on our, our kids. Okay, today we're going to talk about um, uh, uh, continuing on in our Acts Sermon Series, which is entitled Ordinary to emboldened, right? The Spirit's power in and through us. And today we're going to talk about bold messaging. Bold messaging. Uh, messaging is a pretty big deal in today's society, would you, would you not say? Uh, about how many, how many ways, teens, help me out here, about how many ways do you have, uh, list some ways that you give and receive messages in, in your world today? Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Any new ones? My. <laughs> Whoa. Wow. Blast from the past. Uh, show that picture, Sadie. Uh, this is, uh, that's MySpace right there. Uh, my, yeah. Whatever happened to MySpace anyway? Poor, whoever, you know, somehow Facebook just over (laughs) AOL, beep, beep, dial up, okay? Uh, So yeah, messaging is a big deal, and uh, my daughter is begging and pleading with us, so I've allowed Snapchat, but only with girls, and she's begging and pleading for the next level, uh, Instagram, and I'm just, I've not given in yet, I've stayed strong. Uh, but her 13th birthday is coming up, so I don't know how I'm going to handle all that. Pray for me, the teenage daughter in the messaging world. Anyways, messaging is a big deal today. Um, now, for a message to work, some basic things have to happen, right? What has to happen for a message to actually connect and work? What has to happen? Help me out. You have to, be, you have to communicate, yet it has to be an outgoing message, Right? And then what else has to work? You have to receive. And there's a, there's a, um, you know, a, a, there's in every phone or whatnot, there's a little earpiece and there's a mouthpiece. Now, today's phone, you can't do the 
But I grew up with a phone like that. And I'm not kidding. Actually, there was a phone just like that in my house that I grew up. Now, I know you think I'm ancient. It actually was like refurbished where you would open it and there was a dial pad, a, a rotary. Remember the rotary? Those are just awesome. We got to bring back rotary phones. Uh, think how slow texting would be if we had to rotary dial it. We may actually go back to talking to one another. Uh, amen. Um, so anyways, uh, um, but, but there's a few basic elements. See, back in the day, this phone, you didn't even get calls. You had to ring the, the thing on the right. The dial rang up the operator. There was a local operator. It rang up, and then they patched you through to the next person or whatever that you wanted to communicate with. But the thing that little looks, looks like a nose right there, that's what you talk into, all right? And then you pick up the thing on the side and you put that up to your ear, right? Have you seen this in old school movies? Um, imagine, though, if the phone, the, the, the mouthpiece didn't work. And we even experience this today, right? When someone is talking and you're trying to talk back and there's no... There's nothing going through, and they just keep talking and talking, right? And pretty soon, after a while, I just hang up. Because if, if we're not communicating, we need to start over, okay? Or if the, the, the signal's breaking up, oh, you're breaking up, you hang up, okay? Uh, it's, it's frustrating, right? Um, you know, God wants to communicate to us. You just think about that right there. God, the creator of the universe and all that he is, has a desire to actually communicate with you and I. Isn't that amazing? That's miraculous. He doesn't need to communicate with us, but he wants to. He wants to connect with us. So he has a message for us, and we have to receive, it. We have to receive the message. And we actually then are involved. God includes us in the giving of a message. Uh, and when one or the other isn't working... It's really frustrating, right? We don't really get the message of God, and he doesn't, He's not communicating to us um, the message, but it's not His fault. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's a problem with, with the reception. Okay, uh, so I want us to catch up. So today we're going to talk about uh, God's powerful message and messengers and how to receive this message, which actually turns then the receiver of the message into a messenger uh, themselves, okay? So uh, if go ahead and go to the... Actually, I can do this. I forgot. Uh, if we go ahead and go to the next slide, I'll get my pointer up to speed. Um, so we have... Uh, do we have the... There we go, the map of a second missionary journey is we're catching up now in the context of the book of Acts. Paul has set out on his second missionary journey to, to not only strengthen and encourage the churches that were established, the, the gatherings of disciples that were established from the first missionary journey, but uh, the, we see the, the ripple effect of the gospel message, the ripple effect of uh, Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria, uh, which is down here, Judea and Samaria, and then to Antioch, and then to Antioch, the first missionary journey was about right in this area, and now this is the second missionary journey, and uh, last week we talked about the first Conversion in Europe, okay? Right here, this is the edge of Europe back then. And now we know from history that Europe 
catapulted the gospel through the Spirit to the Americas, to Oceania, to uh, um, many places from there, okay? So here we see the first little um, pieces of the gospel into Europe. And last week we talked about uh, the, in Philippi, the jailer and Lydia being converted in Philippi, Acts chapter 16, okay? So now we see, and then we, we saw Paul and Silas in prison, and once again, God rescuing them from prison, just like he did Peter in Acts chapter uh, 4, and then we're moving on, okay? So this, this is where we catch up to Paul and Silas and their journey right here in Amphipolis, Apollonia, Thessalonica, and Berea, first part of Acts chapter 17. And what I want us to listen for is... God's messengers, God's message, God's messengers emboldened by the Spirit, as well as receiving the message uh, also emboldened by the Spirit. And understand today as we read, we are both, amen? We, need, we are always receivers of the message and conduits of the message being uh, God's messenger. Okay, so let's read here in Acts chapter 17, verse 1. Now when they had traveled through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Probably, uh, probably the reason they passed through those two towns and didn't stay there was because there was probably no Jewish synagogue there. So Paul had not just his message, he had a method. He had a way to preach and share the gospel first with the Jews uh, and then the Gentiles, he had a, a custom of going into the synagogue and reasoning with them. Actually, we'll just read this here in verse 2. And according to Paul's custom, he went to them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the Scriptures. By the way, what's your custom? How do you share the gospel? What's your custom? I appreciate uh, Phil's you know, card of who we've shared the gospel with. We are light. We are the salt of the earth. Amen. All of us as disciples uh, are involved in not just receiving the gospel, but sharing the gospel. And it's good to have a custom, you know, what, what works for you. Okay, so Paul's custom was to go in to the synagogue and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and giving evidence that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead. And saying, this Jesus whom I'm proclaiming to you is the Christ. Now it's really interesting here. One of the, as, he went into the, as he went into the Jewish synagogue, his message met the Jews' faith where they were at. The Jews believed in God and they believed in a coming Messiah, but they thought this Messiah, right, was going to be, to be the victorious king that would take over the world. So we would rule over uh, the Romans who are ruling over us, right? That's what they thought. And the suffering of the Christ, we find in, in Corinthians, was the major stumbling block to the faith of, uh, of the Jew, okay? Christ had to suffer, but suffering to them meant he surely wasn't the Messiah, okay? And so Paul showed from the scriptures that actually the Messiah had to suffer, he had to suffer. He was the suffering servant. Primarily, scriptures, Isaiah 53, Joel 2, uh, different psalms, Psalm 22, etc. 
Okay? So he reasoned them from them, and he really scratched it. See, as I was pondering and thinking about this, I don't even know so much today as we share our faith. There's some where they really just don't believe that Jesus is the Christ or the Messiah, okay? Some have that struggle. I would say far more people we reach out to more struggle with Jesus being Lord than the Messiah. Would you say not? We all believe in Jesus, right? Sure, believe in Jesus, good guy. You know, if I believe in him, I'm not going to hell, sweet, good to go, right? Um, That's really not as much where people, it's more about, Jesus being Lord. So we need to know then, right, how to reason with people from the scriptures that Jesus isn't just a savior who's come to die for your sins so you get out of of hell free card, right? Um, He is Lord. He is King. Messiah means anointed one. So anointed one is king, prophet, and priest, okay? So um, we need to as well be ready and know how to do that. Amen? Okay. Who I'm proclaiming to you is the Christ. And verse 4, and some of them uh, were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, along with a large number of God-fearing Greeks and a number of the leading women. So here we have Paul and giving the message and those receiving the message. I want to uh, stop right here and talk. Actually, you know what? Yeah, we'll stop right here and we're going to talk about uh, emboldened messengers. Emboldened messengers. There's some words here to describe Paul. And I want us to think about, does this describe you and I? Okay. First of all, it says he reasoned with them from the scriptures. You know, the Christian faith is one that is uh, true and reasonable. The, the accusation of a Christian, only it's, people are only a Christian because they're like super weak charactered and they can't handle themselves and they just need Jesus uh, as a crutch. I remember, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Jesse the Body Ventura, okay, who used to be the governor of Minnesota. Can you believe that? Someone not very qualified would be like the governor of a state. Um, Anyways, uh, he, uh, he said once that all Christians, they just need a crutch, okay? And that's the only reason. And it's just deeply offensive, right? Because actually, um, the Christian faith is reasonable. You reason it through. You think things through, and it turns out true, all right? Um, the word reasoned means to think different things with one's self. I like that. To mingle thought with thought, to ponder, revolve in one minds, in one's mind, to converse, to discourse with one another, to argue, to discuss. Okay? So Paul is reasoning with them. He is explaining. The word explaining means to open the mind or to cause to understand. He's proving. Um, now, a lot of times we, we take this English word as prove it. Um, more he's, what the word seems to, be, to imply is he sets beside. So here is the Christian faith. I want to set that beside your current beliefs, okay? So he's like, hey, consider this. Set it beside. And that was his job to set it beside 
The listener's job is to mingle it and come to a conclusion. Does that make sense? Um, so to proving, to proclaiming. Proclaiming means announce, declare, or to make known. Now I want to take a, a, a trip here. Where was this again? Where was Paul? Thessalonica, right? Um, does that name ring a bell? What's it ring a bell with? <laughs> yeah, right, the book of Thessalonians. Man, smart. I heard it from Phil. Okay, he was reasoning that. All right, okay, so let's go to Thessalonians, and there's insight here. We could read the whole book of Thessalonians. We don't have the time, uh, but do that on your own. There's insight into Paul's heart behind giving the message, and I want us to listen to just to highlight a few things from Thessalonians about Paul referring to, writing about when he went to Thessalonica for the first time, okay? So 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, I want to look in verse 5. He says, For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction, just as you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. In other words, proved that we're tested, we were proved, we were tested, we were tried, and we were found faithful, okay? A man of integrity. But he says the gospel didn't just come with words. Paul wasn't just an intellect challenging people's mind, though clearly he was challenging people's mind and very intellectual. It says it came with power, the Holy Spirit, and with deep or full conviction, okay? So there was passion involved, there was conviction involved. Um, there was a, um, a surety, okay? Um, verse 8, let's look here. In Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 8, it says, For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith toward God has gone forth, so that we have no need to say anything. In other words, the group in Thessalonica didn't just, weren't just receivers of the message, they became messengers themselves. And that's how Jesus' plan works of spreading the gospel. You hear the gospel, you internalize it, and you pass it on. You become conduits of the gospel. Okay, let's look at chapter 2. I'm going to read uh, verse 1 through 8 here. Listen again for Paul's heart, the heart of a messenger. It says, For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you is not in vain. But after we had already suffered and been mistreated in Philippi, okay, that's, that's what we read about in Acts 16, as you know, we had the boldness in our God to speak to you the gospel of God amid much opposition. So all of that drama, all that persecution in Philippi, did that hinder Paul's boldness? Did that hinder Paul's, like, you know what, maybe the message is a little too radical, let's soften it down, let's, let's, let's smooth it out, and things will go better in Thessalonica. Not at all. He's like, despite the suffering and opposition, um, we had the boldness to proclaim the word of God to you, okay? For our exhortation does not come from error or impurity or by way of deceit, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, we speak, so we speak not as pleasing men, but God who examines our hearts. For we never came with flattering speech, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed, God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, even though as apostles of Christ we may have asserted our authority. But we proved to be gentle among you, as a nursing mother tenderly cares 
for her own children. Having so fond an affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become so very dear to us. So what do you, what do you hear in the heart of the messenger, right? Gentleness as a mother caring for her nursing child with such a deep affection. I mean, if you want to see someone get riled up, right? You go rob a bear of her cubs. And we got a lot of mother bears, okay? You want to see someone riled up, you start messing with that infant child of a mother, and you're going to see someone riled up, right? And that's what Paul compares himself to. He said, I care so much about you that you have, I'm so fond of you. I had to share the gospel with power, the Holy Spirit, deep conviction, and gentleness, and tenderness, and affection. One more verse here in chapter 2, verse 13. It says, For this reason we also constantly thank God that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men. So a lot of times we confuse the message with the messenger. Okay? And we confuse ourselves with the message. We're not. We're only the messenger. But for what, what it really is, the Word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. So the Word of God is living and active. And it's like a seed that plants itself in the soil. And what does a seed do when it's in the soil? Does it just sit there and, you know... No, it germinates, it grows, and there's water, and there's sun, and there's energy from the soil, and it grows. You know, the other day, um, we, we, I was taking care of uh, um, Grandpa Will's house, and guess what was grow, started growing in the gutter? A tree was growing in the gutter. Now, right away, I'm like, oh my goodness, obviously need to clean the gutters. <laughs> Haven't done so in quite some time, but... Boy, the gutter, you think about it, is such a perfect environment for growth. Because you, you haven't cleaned them for years, there is soil, literally, in the gutter. <laughs> uh, there's water, there's moisture, there's sunlight, right? There's fewer weeds up there, and so things grow. That's like the Word of God. If our hearts are soft, if our hearts are open, if our minds are an environment where the Word of God can grow. And when we believe, combined with faith, this really uh, takes off. Okay? So I want to talk about, some, draw some conclusions so far. Spirit-emboldened messengers, which we're, we're called to be. Number one, a messenger with deep conviction. Question, how deep are your convictions? How deep, can, deeply convicted are you? Do you believe that the Word of God is God's Word or not? It's going to be one or the other, right? This is God's word. Uh, this is the truth. Amen? Okay? Deep conviction. Uh, secondly, a boldness that overcomes fear. A boldness that overcomes fear. Who of us struggle to be God's messenger? We feel timid. We feel afraid. We feel like we don't want to be a Bible freak. We don't want to stand out too much. We don't want to be... Are you with me there? We all feel these things. Is the fear overcoming our boldness or our boldness overcoming the fear? That's the question we got to ask. Thank goodness Paul's fears, which, which he had, 
did not overcome the bull. Thank goodness after, Thessal- after Philippi, he didn't just get discouraged. You know what? I'm going back to Antioch, right? Uh, he'll go back to Antioch eventually, but his boldness overcame. Number three, he was unashamed. Unashamed. That's a, that's a way to describe uh, boldness. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, what we see here in 1 Thessalonians 2. It's like, I didn't come. I'm not masking what the message is. I'm not trying to do bait and switch. I'm not trying to make it all flowery and sweet for you, get you hooked in, and it's like, actually, they're suffering. This is why we count the cost with people, amen? This is why we, we start to say, here's the full message. Yes, Jesus died for your sin, and that's good news, amen? But yes, you need to repent of your sin. And guess what? That means openness. Openness. I don't want to be open. I don't either. Welcome to the club. But I'm going to be open because that's what I'm called to, okay? Um, unashamed. that The message is true and the messenger is true. Um, you know, this last week I sat down with a, one of the guys uh, coming to church who wants to study the Bible. And I said, here's what we do with people. Here's what we study. And I got my Follow Me series booklet, right? Got this bad boy out right here. I said, here's, here's the truth. The Bible with this right here. This is the core fundamentals of the Christian faith right here. And I'm, uh, uh, I want to give this to you. Okay? I'm not going to try to sneak anything. This is our message right here. All plain as day right there. Okay? Go study it. Go look at it. Go examine it thoroughly. And let's reason together. Because I'm not ashamed. There's nothing in here of which we're going to hold back or shade, right? It's all right there. And I hope that you feel that kind of, you're a true messenger. You ring true. There's nothing false about you. There's no impure motives about you. Uh, These types of things, we have nothing to be ashamed of. That's the way Paul was, okay? Uh, Number number four, no sugar added. I don't know, I've been working on my eating lately. And I've been learning how much of sugar and fat grams and like things like bacon and red meat and bacon cheeseburger, you add it all together and then throw like three slabs of meat on there with big old carbohydrate-filled buns, you know, and then add the fries, deep fat, fried, saturated, like, yeah, it's getting, getting hungry, right? Okay. Recently, I've kind of... I've kind of thought about my eating like, ah, that's for like the health freaks like Eli and, you know, Chrissy who doesn't eat red meat and, you know, these people who are like health, health type, veggie type Aryans, all right, okay? I just enjoy life. I'm going to have big steak and big fries and, you know, and I just got convicted from the scriptures that our bodies are actually a temple of the Holy Spirit. And we are to honor God with my bodies. And I'm not saying I was fat, but I was seeing the direction I was going. Are you with me there? And it wasn't pretty. And it wasn't because, oh, my grandparents. Or this. No, it was because I am a slave to my taste buds. And I have lacked self-control. Anyways, we had some conviction about this. But one of the things that I started eating was non-fat, no-sugar-added Greek yogurt. Have you ever had that? It's like, it's like, are you kidding me? There's not much more disgusting taste. And I thought I loved Greek yogurt. I love sugar. 
in Greek yogurt. Okay? So I'm like, okay, but I'm going to have self-control. I'm not going to let my taste buds master me. I'm going to master them. Stinking taste buds. Right? Okay? And so I was like, you know what? All my, I'm on Weight Watchers, okay? So all my ways like, fruit, add fruit. So frozen fruit is really good. So you go to the frozen fruit, and what is added to the frozen fruit? Sugar, like tons of it, right? I'm like, and then there's this one that's like, no sugar added. <sighs> that one's for me. Thank you. And so then I add it, and it's like completely tasteless still. I'm like, oh, Chris's like, no, you got to thaw the frozen fruit. Oh, okay. And so, <laughs> so now I have bland fruit with bland yogurt. And I'm so happy, right? So struggling. Um, so what I do is I add a, just a little bit of honey, right? And the Weight Watchers are so funny. They're so, like, kind in how convicting they are. What's the best kind of sweetener? Well, first of all, no sweetener is really best. I'm like, you know what? Just get out of here. <laughs> um, so anyways, a touch of honey, right? Um, but how much sugar do we add to our message. Paul says like, Paul's like, no, no sugar added here. I did not use flattery. Okay? How much sugar do we add to our church? Oh, we got to have, you know, uh, um, beautiful this and great show that. And you know what? The gospel is losing credibility because so many of the messengers have tried to add sugar to make it taste good. But the problem is there is, the gospel does taste good. And it tastes bad. The book of Revelation, right? Sweet as honey in Toronto. We've got to be forthright with the sweetness of it and the sourness of it. Amen? And not be ashamed of either. That's what Paul is saying. There's no sugar added here. Just the good old truth. And then with all this conviction, power, blameless, Holy Spirit, deep conviction, power. And then he says, with incredible gentleness. Whoa, 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 what? Incredible gentleness. And the Bible says anyone caught in sin should be restored with great gentleness. The qualification for an elder is that they should be gentle. One of the descriptions of the Holy Spirit is gentle. One of the overtime you see men, you know, in men's retreats or whatever, you, uh, the word gentleness described with a mature man of God. Okay, so Paul was incredibly gentle with deep love and affection. Amen? How do you combine all those? Well, we look to Jesus. We look to Jesus. He is um, the way we should be. Okay, and the result is God at work. Let's go back to Acts 17. The result is God at work. Um, these people were persuaded, okay? They were persuadable. Um, I thought of this same word as the word that Jesus uses in Luke 16, verse 31, when Jesus is telling the parable of the um, rich man and Lazarus. Remember that story? And Lazarus uh, is poor during life, but then goes to heaven, and he's, and he's in heaven, and the rich man is rich in life, but then goes to Hades. And there's a great chasm fixed. And he's like, please, can you know, help me. And I can't. There's a great chasm. He's like, well, at least go send messengers to my friends and relatives. Send a message to them because they've got to hear this. And, and, and uh, uh, they, said, they said, Jesus said, even if someone rises from the dead, they won't be persuaded 
if they're not persuaded by Moses and the prophets. What Jesus, in the mind of God, he's saying, I've given you the word of God. And if that does not, if that is not enough to persuade you to follow Jesus, then there's nothing in your life that's going to persuade you. Right? And you're lost. You're lost. You know, some of us, maybe some of us today have relatives in the afterlife that are begging and pleading, please listen today to Moses and the prophets. Please don't come where I am. Some of us, we know we're not a Christian. We, we don't care. We don't care. And I would beg and I would plead with you, listen to the Word of God. Listen to Acts 17. Listen to the Bereans. Imitate their faith. How much are we begging and pleading with our neighbors? Warning with great gentleness and deep love and affection. So therefore, as Acts says in Paul, 20, Paul says in Acts 20, with tears, I never stopped warning you. Never. In tears, in gentleness, and in love and affection, and with deep conviction. See, this is what we're, we see here in Acts 17. Okay, that, oh man, we just threw four verses. Okay, but I love that some were persuadable, and they joined. I don't want to join anything. I just want my independence. You can have your independence all the way to hell. How about join up with Jesus and his family? Amen? Joined Paul and Silas. Large number of God-fearing Greeks. The fear of God is a healthy and right and biblical thing, Old Testament and new. It's like, oh, that's just Old Testament stuff. You don't know your Bible. You don't know your Bible. The fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. The fear of God is what gets us ruminating, what gets us thinking. The fear of God is what uh, uh, is the beginning. Uh, I loved Carter uh, uh, sharing up here where he said, well, first I just didn't want to go to hell. And I said, amen. I don't want to go to hell either. There's nothing wrong with that. But over time, it was his love for Jesus that overcame just the fear of going to hell. Amen? And that's what happens. But it starts with the fear of God. Uh, Psalms, uh, there's an oracle within my heart concerning the sinfulness of the wicked. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Psalm 36, verse 1 and 2. No fear of God before their eyes. Our society has no fear of God. But do we? Do we reverence and tremble? Are we called God-fearing? Would, would Paul call us God-fearing Greeks? Or would he call us something else? The fear of God is such a gift, such a good thing. Uh, it's a reverence. It's the beginning of really... And a number of leading women. I love that. A number of women. Not just women, leading women. So in other words, the most persuasive women became disciples. Amen? And then you have, okay, well, let's read on. Obviously, we're, okay, we're just going to get through these first. <laughs> we'll pick it up next week. But the Jews, verse 5, but the Jews becoming jealous and taking along some wicked men. Did I already read this? No. Taking along some wicked men from the marketplace, formed a mob and set the city in an uproar. Okay, one of the main themes in the book of Luke is Luke is, Luke is a theologian, 
He's a historian. He's also a diplomat. He's trying to communicate to the Roman authorities that the Romans actually were on the side of the Christians in, as, as they became more educated with the message. It was the Jews who were acting unreasonable. Hey, Mr. Roman governor, the Christians are not a threat to your government. Okay, that's what he's trying to communicate. We need to legalize this bad boy. The Christians are your greatest friend in your, in your societies. They serve the poor. They love each other. They help. They, they do what's right and good. They're not a threat to you. Nero didn't quite get that message. But this is Paul's point. It's like these Jews are acting completely unreasonable. Okay? Christianity is not unreasonable. Jealous Jews who are slighted and don't believe they're being unreasonable. They're jealous. They take some wicked men from the marketplace. They didn't seek out the God-fearers amongst the marketplace. They chose the wicked men, formed a mob. In other words, where's the trial? Where's the, 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 exam, the, the reasonable thinking? No, it's a mob. Now it's a mob. Uh, and set the city in an uproar. It wasn't the Christians, Mr. Roman governor, that set the, Christ, the city in an uproar. It was the Jews. That's his point. Attacking the house of Jason, they were seeking to bring him out to the people. When they did not find them, they began dragging Jason and some brethren before the city authorities, shouting, these men who have upset the world have come here also. Wait a second. <laughs> Isn't it funny how the message gets distorted? Um, can you go back to our, our map, Sadie? Um, they've upset the world. Uh, yeah, we, um, we have like three disciples here, um, eight here, and... Um, six here, and we got Lydia and the jailer there. They're starting a house church. That's awesome. And now we're here. But the Jews like, hey, what's up the world? It's amazing to me some of the persecution. Like, oh, those people, they control dating. What? What are you talking about? First of all, how could we do that? We, we don't believe in arranged marriages, okay? Um, is there advice? Sure. But the stuff on the internet, guys, we got to just be like, it's preposterous. It's wrong. It's not true. Okay? It's not reasonable. Okay. Anyways, that's just an example. All right. Well, we've got to finish. Okay? Um, we're almost done. Okay. And Jason has welcomed them, and they all act contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there's another king, Jesus. True, but we actually, Jesus encourages the disciples to do what? Obey the government, unless it causes you to sin. Respect the government. Okay? Um, so obviously these are accusations of treason, high treason, and uh, they're false. They stirred up the crowd and the city authorities who heard these things, and when they received a pledge from Jason and the others, they released them. The brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away, by night to Berea. They went in the synagogue of the Jews, and we go on to the Bereans, who are more noble-minded. And that's point number two, but I don't have time for point number two. Grayson is preaching next week. He'll pick it up uh, right there. Let's draw some conclusions, and then we'll have Tim come up to do contribution and announcements. Okay? Some conclusions. Messenger. Are you being a bold messenger? It's not just uh, your leader's job to be a bold messenger. Are you holding back? Are you holding back truth? Are you holding back affection? 
in love. Don't hold back. The Spirit emboldens you. Is your mouth, remember the phone, picture the phone, is your, mouth, is your mouthpiece working to share your faith? Is your mouthpiece working? Is your earpiece working? The only way to be a good messenger is to receive it and be the Brian's noble, okay? Messages becoming messengers, this is how Jesus spread and how the world actually is turned upside down. Amen?